Congress is in recess this week, then they're back for three weeks of July, and then they leave again for all of August. That makes July do-or-die month for the biggest legislative drama of the year, the effort by the Republicans to repeal and replace Obamacare. You may recall that President Donald Trump, as Congress left for the recess, said maybe they should just repeal it now and replace it later. That's about the only thing that Congress can agree they're not going to do. They still want to do both the repeal and the replace. Hi, I'm David Hawking, senior editor at CQ Roll Call. This is the Big Story Podcast. And with me in the studio are the two reporters who are covering this much more closely than I, Bridget Bowman and Niels Lesniewski. And what we're all worried about here in Washington is how are we going to get our hands around the notion of uh, what are senators being told when they, quote, go back home to meet with their constituents, in part because it seems that there very few of them are actually meeting with their constituents. Uh, Niels, can you set the scene for us, please? Well, if you're if you're in Eastport, Maine or Ely, Nevada, neither of these are hotbeds of population uh, in those states. You actually got to see your senator in a parade uh, just on the 4th of July. And Susan Collins, the Republican from Maine, was greeted with, from all reports, from the far eastern reaches of Maine. She was uh, greeted as sort of a hero for standing against the House and Senate Republican uh, health care bills, at least as they've been drafted to date. Uh, in Nevada, in the small town of Ely, uh, which is about a four-hour drive from Las Vegas on a two-lane road, having done that drive, I can say that, <laughs> they were greeted with Dean Heller, who rode a horse in a parade in that small town and was uh, greeted by not only local folks, but also CNN and the New York Times who were far from home. And we should we should stop right there and just remind our listeners uh, that Collins and Heller are two of, depending on how you count it, maybe eight, maybe nine, maybe 10 Republicans who are at various stages of um, uh, disrespect, disgust, dislike, disapproval of the health care bill that is sort of now the, the working draft that now Mitch McConnell is going back and going, going to try and uh, tinker with to see if he can reduce that number from 8, 9, 10 to no more than 2. Because if he loses even three of his own people, the health care bill doesn't pass. Just wanted to sort of reset reset for everybody else. So, so Bridget, who, um, who else is out there uh, on the hustings meeting with constituents and actually trying to sell them on health care or on their version of health care? So there aren't a lot of senators out kind of and about this week, um, which is just kind of interesting. Um, some have been facing constituents. Uh, Senator Cruz, who is part of the working group, um, is one of the sort of band of conservatives that have raised concerns about the original draft of the Senate bill. He has a couple town halls this week. He uh, was greeted by some protesters in a Democratic part of Texas and uh, just sort of responded in saying, like, America is great. We can all protest and, and all of that. Uh, but it is interesting to see that not a lot of senators are kind of facing their constituents this week. And those who are, um, and even those who are not, uh, even those uh, who aren't actually appearing in public, some of their offices, as I understand it, are are uh, being surrounded by protesters, uh, whether you're on the far right, sort of. So Cruz is the anchor of the group that thinks 
that the bill is still too generous, it right. still keeps too much of Obamacare, mm-hmm. uh, and Heller and Collins are anchors of the other end of the spectrum who think that the bill would take away too much of Obamacare, too much particularly on, on Medicaid. And then there are people like Bill Cassidy in the middle, uh, who, I, who I view Bill Cassidy of Louisiana uh, as a uh, sort of one of the guys who's trying to draft it so that it can win everybody over. But even Bill Cassidy, who sees himself as one of these people who's trying to repair the breach, uh, is being dragooned by his constituents. You're saying that the people here who are speaking out are, are, came here to ask questions about health care because they will be mostly affected or being cruel or, or rude for speaking out. But I'll tell you what's rude. Um, kicking 22 million people off their health care in this country who you know you cannot afford it. You worked at the, at the Earl K. Long Hospital for a long time. You know what people are like at their lowest. So to step on their necks by kicking them off their health care at this point, that's cruel, sir. Um, I think what you need to do as a Louisianian is go back to Washington, D.C. and stand up for the people who are here and saying, we need our health care. So there's a constituent uh, confronting uh, Cassidy, Dr. Cassidy, who is at least out in public in Louisiana. Uh, and Cassidy is one of the people trying to write this bill. Nobody's more important in trying to r- repair this breach, however, than Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, who has not been uh, in public, uh, notwithstanding the fact that he hasn't been in public. He has been back home in Louisville. Let's let's listen to what he had to say in a private meeting. Uh, this recording was obtained by the Louisville Courier-Journal. Think of it this way. I'm standing, I'm sitting there with a Rubik's Cube trying to figure out how to twist the dials uh, to get to 50 to replace this with something better than this. Stabilizing these markets is important. Middle-class families are getting hammered. American people said we elected a Republican president, a Republican House, and Republican Senate. We want to see some results. And I can't say anything other than I agree with you. But it's not easy. And we're going to continue to wrestle with this and try to get it done. So, Niels, um, the, the Rubik's Cube analogy seems to work uh, for you? Uh, it certainly does. And and for, for McConnell and for the other uh, members of leadership who have been having uh, Republican senators streaming in and out of their offices when they've been uh, at the Capitol, uh, it's not clear how much of this can get done this week, they were trying to make as many decisions about which pieces, or if you're going to use a Rubik's Cube analogy, perhaps which colors to uh, be spinning around to send to the CBO uh, for scoring so that they can get some sort of uh, notional score on how much various options might cost uh, as close to when they return from this uh, July 4th recess as possible. The conundrum is is both the Cruz versus Collins question, but it's also uh, whether or not anyone new emerges as an opponent or someone appears after returns from recess opposing the bill who previously would have been counted on for support. We haven't heard that yet, but that's the other thing to look for this week. Right, because, of course, those those reporters who have been out on the hustings trying to find these people in remote places like the Canadian border and the middle of the Nevada desert, we've been looking for the, these Republicans who have announced uh, that they're 
their vote is cannot be taken for granted. But as far as we know, there could be other senators that we're not paying attention to who will come back to Washington and say, my constituents couldn't stand this. Now, usually, Bridget, when we when we're watching a very uh, uh, a very a cauldron of political dynamic, you pay most attention to the senators who are up for reelection next mm-hmm. year. Um, but and you know the map as well as anyone. There, there aren't that many Republicans. Correct. As a matter of fact, there's, tell, tell us about that. Right. So there are only eight Republicans up for re-election in 2018. There are 25 Democrats, that is including two independents that caucus with de- Senate Democrats. So the map has definitely shifted in Republicans' favor. However, I guess one interesting thing to keep in mind is that a number of the senators who are on the fence are also up in 2020, like Senator Cassidy, Senator Cory Gardner from Colorado, Senator Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia. So those are kind of, they, they're not too far away from having some electoral consequences. But of those up in 2018, obviously Senator Heller, um, who is running in a state that Hillary Clinton won, um, is considered the most vulnerable Republican. Senator Flake in Arizona is also one to watch. Um, Senator Cruz is also an interesting uh, kind of character in all of this because he's up in 2018 and he's been, as we mentioned, one of the leading conservatives and he's working a lot behind the scenes on this. So his challenge would not be a challenger from from the Democratic side, but if he's perceived as too squishy, he could be attacked on that's, the Republican side? That's sort of what I'm really curious about uh, in terms of how conservative, conservative groups have really voiced support for Senator Cruz and the work that he's doing on this bill. But if it gets down to it where only one operative I talked to today in Texas said if it gets down to it and only three senators vote against the bill and Senator Cruz is one of them, he could have some problems from conservatives who might look at that and say, this is our one chance to make some action here on Obamacare and we couldn't get there. And so but he might have to walk this line of saying of making the case that the bill didn't go far enough for him and it wasn't a true repeal, which is what all these Republicans have been campaigning on. And, of course, he does have a Democratic opponent that those of us in Washington have heard of. of. He's got Beto O'Rourke, the congressman from El Paso, Mm -hmm. who's mounting what I guess we rate as a very long shot challenge. But stranger things have happened. (laughs) That's true. But he's been very unapologetically more left leaning. Uh, He advocates for single payer and Medicare for all. So it's not really clear how much traction those policies can get in a conservative state like Texas. I noticed uh, that the the NRSC is out um the republican senatorial campaign committee mm-hmm. is out with some new uh attacks on on democrats who are up in 2018 about single payer actually right. and about socialized medicine and so instead of going instead of really engaging necessarily on the the obamacare repeal question which they're engaging on too but their new line of attack that i i saw for the first time today mm-hmm. was about was about uh, socialized medicine. Yeah, and that's been really interesting. Just that tack, like Niels mentioned, is just sort of a really fascinating one in terms of the position that these Democratic senators are in. Uh, they're very united, as as you all know, in opposition to the Republican health care plan. But it'll be interesting to see where they kind of land in terms of do we need to work together on a bipartisan bill? What parts of Obamacare need to be fixed? Do we go, are they getting pressured from the left to support single payer health care? And so there's kind of an, an interesting position too, even though they are sort of united against this bill. It sounds like there's enough uh, still up in the air that this week um, of, of recess of members, senators being back home uh, is not I think we can safely predict that this is not going to produce some grand breakthrough over this recess, uh, which means 
we should not expect uh, any definitive vote or anything in, during the first week back, right? No. And, and in fact, McConnell has basically lined up a series of nominations that will pretty much consume the week on the, on the Senate floor. So I, I think if a deal actually comes together, you're looking at uh, the second week at the earliest. Uh, the other thing, which is a potential uh, point in the timing here, is whether or not you want uh, President Trump overseas when a deal is hatched. Um, he is on route as we are uh, recording today uh, to, to Europe, and then he'll be back again for Bastille Day. Uh, he's going to Paris, uh, and that would be probably about the time we might expect to see the text of the new bill. Uh, and then, of course, um, we what we said at the start was Congress is back next week, the week of, of July 10th. They're supposed to be in the week of July 10th, 17th, and 24th, and then they're supposed to be out for the following four or five weeks. Uh, that is not uh, legally written in stone, but it is written uh, sort of in, in psychological stone uh, that senators very, very rarely deny themselves that August break. Do you think, Bridget, that there's any chance that they would, uh, they would stay into the start of the August recess if they thought that they could get a bill done? I don't know. Uh, there have been some senators pushing for this. Uh, I think Niels reported last week that Senator Perdue was actually appealing to President, Senator David Perdue from Georgia was appealing to President Trump, asking for him to support this idea that they should cancel our August recess. And they hear, I think Niels can correct me on that. There were like 10 or 12 senators that signed on to that. That's letter. right. That's right. And, but, so it's and, a good chunk of the caucus, but I don't know. I don't, I'm kind of skeptical that they would actually cancel this recess. These deadlines seem to focus the mind. So maybe that's right. right. I mean, that's sort of the general rhythm of things is they, they see a deadline. They, they, they look at their airline ticket and see what dates on it. And then they. Right. You could very, you could very easily see a situation where if there's a deal that's imminent, uh, that they stayed a couple of extra days, uh, maybe work through that first weekend in August or something, if they thought they were going to have an agreement at hand and there was something to actually vote on. But if they're still spinning their wheels at that point, I don't think that uh, that there's going to be a delayed recess uh, without knowing what the outcome would be. And then meanwhile, uh, in, in the House this week, and I know neither of you professionally paid too much attention to the House, but they're sort of off scot-free this week, right? Nobody's, nobody's tracking their movements at town hall meetings because mm -hmm. they are just waiting around now. They have the luxury of sort of watching how the Senate how senators uh, grapple with this or fail to grapple with this. Do you all think that if this does not happen before the August recess, it won't happen? And you know, you both know Senator Schumer pretty well. He says, at that point, I'm really going to go to McConnell and try and get a bipartisan deal to actually fix the law rather than so-called repeal and replace it. Think that'll happen? Well, I think what Democrats have been saying for a while now is that to get to the table, they need Republicans to drop the mantra of they want to repeal Obamacare. So... Will Republicans actually be willing to say, like, yes, we agree, we don't want to repeal all of this law, even though we've campaigned for years on doing so? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would, that would happen and allow sort of negotiations to start. I have sort of the opposite view on how that would, that it wouldn't, that they wouldn't drop that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I could very much envision a scenario where we go into 2018 and Republicans and Republican campaign strategists are saying if the if the repeal bill does not get done this year, well, we really need is 60 Republican mm -hmm. senators and 
And the only way to repeal Obamacare now, we know, is that you need to get rid of Joe Manchin and Claire McCaskill and Heidi Heidkamp and run down the list. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good point. Well, there there will be plenty to watch, even uh, in the days uh, between when we're talking and when senators come back. During that time, much of the air will be taken up uh, by protesters and other public interest groups that are uh, making a making a show of and, and a sincere show of trying to find their senators and make sure their their opinions about this bill, mostly uh, in opposition to what the Republicans are doing are heard. Um, We'll be back next week with another Big Story podcast, probably on this topic, because it is the topic that keeps on giving. Uh, I'm David Hawking, senior editor at CQ Roll Call. With me today have been Niels Lesniewski and Bridget Bowman, who cover the Senate and politics for Roll Call. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One.